Hi, this is Jonah Trebois, and welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, sponsored by local Rotarians, your friends dedicated to service. Each week, we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world, people sharing ways to improve your life. And today, our guest is Dr. Sharon Ledoux of the Cary Institute, and we'll be talking about the Zika virus. And good morning, Dr. Shannon Ledoux. Welcome to Radio Rotary. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's our great pleasure. Uh, So before we get into the Zika virus, which we hear a lot in the headlines about, tell us a little bit about the Cary Institute. What's that all about? Yep. So I am a research scientist at the Cary Institute of Ecosystem Studies in Millbrook, New York. It's a not-for-profit research organization. The Cary Institute's focus is ecosystem science, and the expertise of our PhD scientists includes disease ecology, forest and freshwater health, climate change, urban ecology, and invasive species. And your particular specialty? I'm a disease ecologist, so I study how ecology influences uh, transmission potential and vector populations. I know. Now, vectors is something I learned in school, had to do with like angles and stuff. But when you talk <laughs> about vectors, you're talking about little nasties that run around or fly around, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so predominantly, we think of vectors as arthropods or insects that may uh, move a, an infection, a, a pathogen, from one person to another person. Okay. So. In other words, in layman's terms, mosquitoes. Mosquitoes and, and something ticks. we're all familiar with here, ticks. Yeah. Right, right, right. Now, a lot of headlines, a lot of news about something called the Zika virus. What's that all about? So the Zika virus is important on its own. It's also important, I want to say, because it's just the newest, right, of the the emergent pathogens, mosquito-borne pathogens, as well as tick-borne pathogens that we're seeing pop up in uh, the Western Hemisphere, like uh, chikungunya, which we first saw in 2013. That sounds like a dish you get at an Italian restaurant, but it's nasty, right? It is not something you would want to get. It's also a mosquito-borne disease. Um, and West Nile virus, which, which we're certainly more familiar right. with here, uh, which first popped up in New York City in 1999. Zika is just the newest of these Arboviruses, that is a pathogen carried by an arthropod vector, a, an insect or a mosquito, uh, to, to rise in this part of the world. It's something that has been circulating in the western, in the eastern hemisphere, um, in, in Asia predominantly, as well as parts of Africa, since the 19, late 1940s. Now, you know, uh, we seem to be getting a lot of more of these things involved with mosquitoes and various kinds of ticks and, and animals that used to be not around that much here in the in the Hudson Valley. Is the issue of climate change related to the fact that the mosquitoes just don't get frozen out in the, in the winter because we've had such mild winters? Climate change is important, and these mosquitoes that, that tend to vector these diseases do get limited by winter conditions. However, the, the reason that we're seeing uh, many of these new uh, viruses is that we have invasive mosquito species that are moving northward from, from more southerly regions but also from Asia. Now, when you say invasive, you mean these are uh, mosquitoes that we're not used to? These are coming from other areas? Yes. So both chikungunya and Zika virus are vectored by, uh, predominantly by two mosquito species, Aedes mm-hmm. aegypti and Aedes albopictus. Now, Aedes aegypti is an invasive species, but it's been in the U.S. for, for centuries, and we actually knocked it out of the U.S. Uh, with DDT after in, in the 1950s, and it's kind of been moving north.
northward, but it doesn't overwinter, so we don't have it here. Aedes albopictus was first introduced to the United States in the 1980s, late 1980s, as tire imports from Asia increased. All right, now, now what does tiring have, tires have to do with it? Yeah, it's really interesting. So these, so Aedes albopictus, a lot of mosquito species, in fact, breed in tree hole containers in their native regions. And mm-hmm. so they lay their eggs on the dry surfaces inside trees and wait for it to get wet. As, as uh, tire uh, production and mm-hmm. storage increased and moved into some of these more forested areas, some of the mosquito species, incu- including... Albopictus, the Asian tiger mosquito, started laying their eggs inside the tires. Oh, because they'd be little puddles it's of water? very similar to the inside of a tree, right? right. It, it stays humid. It The water that fills up tends to stay there. It doesn't dry out very fast. Right. And then uh, we import millions of tires from Asia into the U.S. And in that way, this species, is, so it lays its eggs, and those eggs can survive as eggs for months hmm. until they get wet. Yeah. And then they hatch, and the larvae develop inside the tire, and then they emerge as adults. And so if those tires are moved while the mosquitoes are all eggs, they are introduced to a new region. So if they move from Asia, say, to California, and across the the country by train or or truck, suddenly they're here in New York. Yep. So the Asian tiger mosquito, it looks like, was first introduced both into Texas and Baltimore area with tire imports. And then it has spread throughout mostly the eastern and southeastern U.S. Again, it's sensitive to winter conditions. Uh, we don't get it here in the Hudson Valley, although we do have it in New York City. Mm-hmm. Which is a hop, skip, and a jump away. As well as Westchester County. And and it's probably introduced into the region, but does not yet overwinter. Okay. So we have these mosquitoes coming in without a passport from Asia. Yeah. Uh, and they're bringing uh, nasty things like, uh, you know, as you said, Zika virus and, and these various... Uh, Pathogens. A pathogen is what, by the way, for, for the layman? A pathogen is something that causes illness in humans. Okay. So let's or, concentrate now on the Zika virus because that's mm-hmm. in all the headlines. It comes by mosquito. Is it that is right? transmitted by mosquito, but it's introduced into the into this area by humans. And so it's travel cases that bring Zika into the U.S. So in other words, somebody gets Zika somewhere else. Yes. And they come here. And, and then they get they, bit by a mosquito. They get bit by a homegrown mosquito. Yes. And that mosquito bit some, bites somebody else and it gets transmitted. Is that how it happens? Mm-hmm. Wow. And so one of the reasons we're seeing this new emergence of, of Zika and chikungunya is that you can now be bit by a mosquito in in another country, in Asia, and then come all the way over to New York City and be bit by the exact same species of mosquito because we have these invasive mosquitoes. All right. Before we scare everybody, let's... let's <laughs> right. Because you've scared me, Doc. I mean, you're a lovely person, but you've scared me with all this stuff. Let's talk about what the Zika virus actually is, how it affects people, and then maybe after the commercial break, we'll talk about how we can prevent getting bitten. So what is the Zika virus? How does it affect people? So Zika is a virus, and it... One of the reasons it, it moves about the globe so easily is that it doesn't cause a lot of symptoms in most people. So uh, we're still estimating that about 80% of people who are exposed to Zika virus aren't going to get any serious symptoms at all. No rash, no fever, nothing Mild like that. flu-like symptoms mm-hmm. that you may or may not notice. You may think it's a cold. So again, that, that's, that's good for you, but it also means that people move around a lot more with right. this virus. But there, there was a concern, was it not, Dr. Ledoux, of the Cary Institute, that the Zika 
Zika virus would affect the uh, children, unborn children and pregnant women. What's this that? is the biggest concern. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is something new. So Zika has been circulating for, for decades and it ha- this hasn't really been recognized as a serious problem. But now with its introduction into the Western Hemisphere, it looks like Zika is certainly associated with birth defects in, in infants. And so it looks like in the early stages of pregnancy, if a woman is infected with Zika, she still may not have any symptoms, Right. but it can affect the, the brain development of her fetus. Something called hydrocephalus, if I pronounce that correct. Microencephaly, right? Microce- all right. which causes uh, abnormal slowing in the growth mm-hmm. of the brain. Right. And so these babies are born with much smaller heads than are normal. The implications of that down the road are still not well known. We have actually just had the first infant death in the United States oh, really? of, of an infant born with microencephaly from the Zika virus. The mother travel was picked up Zika uh, traveling, did not acquire it here in the United States. Uh, the baby was born with microencephaly and, and did pass away, uh, I believe, just yesterday. Oh, that's too bad. That's a shame. But we're going to talk after the break about how people can avoid getting this uh, and what we can do to control the mosquito population in just a moment. But first, let me remind our listeners, they're in tune with Radio Rotary on the air and around the world by podcast on iTunes and at RadioRotary.org. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host Sarah O'Connell is away this week, but I'm delighted to welcome as our very special guest, Dr. Shannon Ledoux of the Cary Institute. Uh, we're talking about the Zika virus, how what it does and how you can prevent it. And Radio Rotary is sponsored this week by Salisbury Bank, your regional bank for all of your personal, business, and wealth management needs. Visit them at salisburybank.com. And by the Rotary Clubs of Brewster, East Fishkill, Fishkill, Goshen, Highland, Hyde Park, Kinderhook Tri-Village, Kingston Sunrise, Millbrook, Nanuet, and Newburgh. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary and our conversation with Dr. Shannon Ledoux after these important messages. The 1,200,000 women and men of Rotary have accomplished extraordinary things. They've taught millions of people to read, worked toward world peace, and have nearly eradicated a crippling childhood disease from the face of the planet. But each of those 1,200,000 women and men know they could accomplish so much more. If only they were 1,200,000 and one. Find out what an impact one person can make. Learn about Rotary at Rotary.org. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. It's Kinderhook Tri-Village Rotary's 6th Annual Columbia County Rotary Ride. A great bicycle ride featuring 10-mile, 30-mile, and 100-mile gravel grinder routes through scenic Columbia County. Rest stops stocked with refreshments along the route. And a delicious barbecue at the finish line. That's Sunday, September 25th in beautiful Kinderhook, New York. For more information, write to ktvrotary.org. That's ktvrotary.org. Salisbury Bank and Trust offers personal and business banking, residential mortgages, commercial lending, and investment services. With 13 locations throughout the tri-state region, in Dutchess and Orange Counties, the northwest corner of Connecticut, and southern Berkshire County, Massachusetts, including Riverside Bank with division offices in Poughkeepsie, Red Oaks Mill, Fishkill, and Newburgh. Salisbury Bank is your personal bank in your community, making local decisions and delivering the highest quality of customer service. Salisbury Bank is your local bank for all of your personal and business needs. Check them out.
out at SalisburyBank.com. That's SalisburyBank.com. Salisbury Bank and Trust, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Salisbury Bank, enriching. Hi, this is Kathy Krueger, producer of Radio Rotary. If you are listening now, so are your customers. You can advertise on Radio Rotary for as little as $25 per week. Call me, Kathy Krueger, at 845-635-3499. That's 845-635-3499 for full details. Or email me at info at radiorotary.org. That's info at radiorotary.org. Looking forward to working with you. Welcome back to Radio Rotary. This is Jonah Trebowasa. My co-host Sarah O'Connell is away this week, but I'm delighted and privileged to have an outstanding guest with us this morning, Dr. Shannon Ledoux of the Cary Institute. And we're talking about the Zika virus and the great work that the Cary Institute does to, to protect us all from uh, nasty little mosquitoes and their nasty little uh, diseases. So good morning, Dr. Shannon Ledoux. Welcome back to the second half of Radio Rotary. Good morning. Thank you. So for those who may have joined us late, tell us a little, again, a little bit again about what the Cary Institute does. Cary Institute of Ecosystem Studies in Millbrook, New York, is a not-for-profit environmental research organization that focuses on disease ecology, forest and freshwater health, climate change, urban ecology, and invasive species. In addition to our science program, we have education and outreach initiatives, including public lectures, walk, teacher training opportunities, school programs, day camps, and hiking trails open to the public. Folks interested should look at our website at www.carryinstitute.org for more information. And Dr. Kubis, that website once again? www.carryinstitute, that's C-A-R-Y institute.org. Like Carrie Grant. So uh, folks, don't get a pencil and paper. We'll have Dr. Ledoux repeat that uh, website a little bit later in the broadcast. And your particular specialty, doctor, is what? I'm a disease ecologist. And how does one become a disease ecologist? I studied, uh, I got my PhD in biology. Mm-hmm. studying how climate influenced trees, actually, and, and forests. And my work involves both a lot of field work, going out and, and measuring things and counting things, and also a lot of modeling and using statistics. Now, we're talking about Zika virus and, and how it's transmitted and now how, how perhaps we can prevent having people getting uh, the Zika virus or other uh, tick-borne or mosquito-borne illnesses. So again, for those who may have joined us late, what is Zika virus? Zika is a virus that's recently emerged in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, It's transmitted between humans by mosquitoes, and specifically by two mosquito species, Aedes aegypti and Aedes albopictus. You probably know the difference between the two, but would the average person, I mean, like one's larger than the other, different colors, or like a mosquito is a mosquito is a mosquito? The average person might not notice the difference between these two. And and I want to be clear that we don't have these species in much of New York State. Well, that's good to know. We do have the Asian tiger mosquito, that's Aedes albopictus, in New York City and Westchester uh, and parts parts of, of counties right around New York City. Right. Right. It does not overwinter. It's limited by winter conditions. Uh, and so it, it does well in warmer urban environments mm-hmm. than it does here. Okay, so you explained earlier that uh, someone gets the Zika virus probably outside of New York, comes to New York, they get bit, the mosquito carries, because the mosquito sucks blood, right? Right. So female mosquitoes need blood in order to reproduce. Okay. So you take that blood, they bite someone else, and gives them the present of the Zika virus. Yes. Okay. And the Zika virus uh, symptomology is a little bit tough to understand because you said many people don't have symptoms. Yep. So right now it still looks like about 80% of people who are exposed don't have strong symptoms 
uh, that that they would notice. And so you've got a virus that can actually move around quite freely because people don't often know that they're carrying it. What about um, uh, the pregnant women and the, uh, the the children that we were concerned about? Uh, we, we understand that uh, from the headlines that if a pregnant woman gets the Zika virus, it's possible that they'll have an adverse effect on the unborn child. It's true. The biggest concern with the Zika virus still is the effect of of Zika on fetuses, it seems, so there's a lot that's still not known, and there's a lot of research right. that, that's required to really understand what the risk is. I've seen the risk estimated as 1 in 100. I've also seen it estimated as, as 1 in 13. Are, of, there, yeah, are there tests or, or something that the are, women can do to see if they're okay? There are tests. So, so a, a pregnant mother may not actually know she's infected with Zika because mm-hmm. she, she would, would potentially not have symptoms, but there are tests, and they're increasingly testing people who have travel histories, especially, okay. uh, that would suggest they've been exposed to Zika virus. It's very important for for people who are pregnant and who have traveled to places with known local transmission of Zika to be tested early in pregnancy. What areas are we concerned about? Uh, you mentioned Asia. So right now, actually, the biggest concerns for Zika are South America, mm-hmm. the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, uh, and and right now one neighborhood in Miami-Dade, Florida. Really? Okay. Vacation at home, folks. <laughs> what can I tell you? Our guest on Radio Roadie, Dr. Sharon Ledoux of the Cary Institute. We're talking about Zika virus and other diseases that may be uh, transmitted by mosquitoes or ticks or things of that nature. And um, Dr. Ledoux, uh, staying on the, the Zika virus and, and mosquitoes and ticks and things like that, what can people do to avoid this kind of thing? I mean, you know, in my day, they used to have this massive spraying with airplanes and God knows what they were spraying us with or, or my, my mother would get out this stuff and spray everything all over us. You know, uh, God only knows what was in it. So um, what's, what's the recommendation today? So, so the biggest thing you can do is, is to, if you start to get bit by mosquitoes, obviously you can go inside, but that's not always a, a good suggestion for the summer when people actually want to be outside. Right. The mosquitoes that transmit Zika bite during the day. Mm-hmm. They bite. They tend to bite in areas that are more urban. So if you're out in the woods and you're bit by a mosquito, it's probably not a Zika right. mosquito. Studies do suggest that that sprays with DEET. DEET is D E E T, not T, not the stuff that was banned, which was not TNT. Not DDT, right? DDT. All right. So DEET. So which? So so your basic off kind of. Right. Mosquito repellent sprays are still pretty effective to limit mosquito biting. Everyone has different experiences with, with what works and what doesn't. Right. They, they do tend to bite your feet. And so if you're out in an area that, that has a lot of mosquitoes, you know, wear shoes, wear socks, wear long pants. The mosquitoes that transmit Zika virus don't fly that far, which mm-hmm. means if you're bit by mosquitoes in your yard, chances are you're breeding those mosquitoes in your yard. Let's talk about the importance of, of- keeping these breeding areas away from from your house. Uh, One of the things you have to watch out for, as I understand it, is standing water. It rains and, you know, the water collects in a flower pot or, you know, you've got a children's toy that's upside down and collecting water. You may not think that's a big deal, but that could be the happy hunting ground. I have found hundreds of mosquito larvae in very small containers under flower pots collecting water. Really? Yes. 
one thing that makes it so hard to control these species of mosquitoes, again, this is the, the 80s Elopictus and the 80s Egypti, is that they breed in small containers of water. Remember, their native habitat would have been something like tree holes, so they're not mm-hmm. looking for big water bodies. Uh, it is really important for people, if they're being bothered by mosquitoes in the yard, to go around the yard and make sure you don't have standing water. Flower pots that are outside don't need bases. They should be able to drain freely into into the ground. Those bases, if they fill up with water, tend to collect mosquitoes as well. What about those electric zappers that you know people put up in their yards? It attracts bugs into the zapper and goes zip. And is that is that effective with a mosquito? I know it's effective with bigger bugs like flies. Some people do find those very effective. Again, the '80s mosquitoes that we're talking about bite during the day. So so most often people put these on in the evening, and and they they have a light that draws uh, insects in and zaps them. And so it's not really targeting the same species of mosquitoes. What about human-to-human transmission, not through mosquitoes, but through uh, marital relations, let's say? So it has been shown that Zika virus can be sexually transmitted, which certainly means that uh, in addition to women who have become pregnant following travel to places where you know Zika is is active, uh, men also have to be careful in, in if they know they have been to a place where Zika has been active, the current recommendation is is use of condoms for up to six months. Well, Dr. Uh, Shannon Du of the Cary Institute, thank you so much for this absolutely fact-filled half hour. I think you've uh, you've brought a lot of people a lot of relief by uh, giving them the actual facts and not worrying about things that uh, you know they just don't understand. And thanks for telling us about uh, the, some of the preventive measures. And uh, give us that website one more time for the Cary Institute. They have had some great programs, folks, that are open to the public and some lovely walking trails. I've been there. It's a beautiful institution. Doctor? It's www.caryinstitute. That's C-A-R-Y institute.org. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for everything you're doing for the public, and thanks for joining us this morning on Radio Rotary. And we have to thank the following sponsors. Salisbury Bank, your regional bank for all of your personal business and wealth management needs. Visit them at salisburybank.com. And by the supporting Rotary Clubs of New City, New Paltz, Patterson, Philmont, Pleasant Valley, Poughkeepsie, Arlington, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, Southern Ulster, Walkill East, Wappingers, and Warwick Valley. For the entire Radio Rotary team, my co-host Sarah O'Connell, who will be back next week, our producer Kathy Kruger, and our Wizard of the Buttons, our great engineer, Mr. J. This is Jonah Trebowasa thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next week at this very same time for another edition of Radio Rotary. And don't forget our website, RadioRotary.org. Put on that bug repellent. Hudson Valley Rotarians invite you to support Shelterbox USA as they provide disaster relief aid for victims around the world. Shelterbox disaster response teams are on site assessing people's needs and ensuring that your invaluable support goes directly to those who need it most. For more information and to donate, go to shelterboxusa.org. That's shelterboxusa.org.